time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. But Joseph and Chris present to you... Saturday Morning Cartoon! Hello everybody and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom. This is a show where we plop down the living room floor <laughs> with a big bowl of cereal and watch all your favorite cartoons, both old and new. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And as part of our four-part Ghostbusters tribute, today we watched the real Ghostbusters. Not the fake ones like last week. Even though those were the original Ghostbusters, technically. Yeah, no monkey this time. Quit saying monkey. I know. You're shaming apes everywhere. So the show The Real Ghostbusters aired from 86 to 92, created by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, produced by Columbia Pictures Television and Deke Enterprises. It ran for seven seasons, 140 episodes on the ABC network. For a short synopsis, the continuing adventures of the staff of the Ghost Removal Service. That's very vague. Ghost removal service. Ghost that removal sounds... service. Ghost removers. That's that doesn't have nearly the same ring to it. Why would you say ghost removal service? Yeah, I don't like why it. not just busting? I don't know. I don't like it one bit. I don't know. That's that's not a great synopsis, but not at all. I mean, it's true. It just doesn't have any fluff to it. They should be ashamed. Ashamed. All right, Chris. So, who are some actors in this show? Um, there's a lot. So, I'm just gonna stick with the main cast. But there is two characters that we didn't see in the three episodes that we watched, but they are listed as main characters. So, I'll name them towards the end. But first of all, the character of Peter Vinkman, seasons one through two, he was voiced by Lorenzo Music, who has done a lot of their stuff too. Most notably, you would recognize his voice as the voice of Garfield from the Garfield and Friends cartoon, which I picked up immediately as like, wow, he sounds like Garfield. Turns out he is Garfield. Season three through season seven, he's replaced by Dave Coulier, who tends to replace everybody when they get fired from the show or when they step down, because that's like the third time it's happened on a show that we've watched. Egon Spengler, voiced by Maurice LaMarche, who we have also had in some of the other cartoons on the show, as well as our next voice actor, the character of Ray Stance, and Slimer, voiced by Frank Welker. You know, he's in pretty much everything that we do in some capacity. He's always in these cartoons. Oh, yeah. Winston Zeddemore, voiced by Arsenio Hall. That was surprising. I did not expect that. That was seasons one through three. He was then replaced by Buster Jones for seasons four through seven. Janine was voiced by Laura Summer, seasons one through two, and then replaced by Kath Susie. I'm just guessing it's Susie. I don't know. It's a weird name. There's so many vowels. It would make Wheel of Fortune angry. Um, seasons three through seven. And then the the two characters that didn't show up in the episodes we watched, but they are listed as prominent characters, is the character of Louis Tully, voiced by Roger Bumpus, who we've also had appear in several cartoons that we've watched. And along with this character, Chili Cooper, voiced by Cree Summer in seasons three through six. She has shown up a lot, which I didn't expect because I had never heard of her before. This is now like the fourth or fifth cartoon we've watched that she's been in. Yeah, that, that's a common name to us now. I hear Cree Summers and I'm like, oh yeah, she was in this cartoon. She was in this cartoon. And this one. And yeah. this one. And now real Ghostbusters also. So for a few tidbits, a few marshmallows, if you will, about real Ghostbusters, 
Actually, they kind of go off what you were just talking about. According to Ernie Hudson, who played Winston Zeddemore in the Ghostbusters films, he auditioned for the voice of the character on the cartoons, but it was instead given to Arsenio Hall. So even the real Winston couldn't make the cut for voicing his own character on the cartoon. That's really weird. But they dramatically changed his personality in the cartoon. Yeah. Well, maybe not dramatically, but they definitely changed it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, maybe it just matched better with Arsenio Hall. I don't, maybe he just needed more oomph to it. I don't know. Right. Secondly, the word real, as we said last episode, was included in the title to avoid confusion and lawsuits from the other <laughs> Ghostbusters cartoon, which was Filmation's Ghostbusters from 86. If you didn't listen to that episode, now you know what we're talking about, but you should yes. still listen to that episode. It was crazy. It was crazy. I went on so many rants and crazy conspiracy theories. Chris was so angry at the ape <laughs> slash monkey. I know it's an ape. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> and lastly, Maurice LaMarche was unable to come up with the right voice for Egon from his usual repertoire of voices. So he decided to simply do an impersonation of Harold Ramis. This led Bill Murray to comment that Harold's guy sounds like him, but I sound like Garfield, like you were saying earlier. <laughs> And what's funny about that is eventually Bill Murray ends up playing Garfield in the Garfield movies. Oh, I forgot about that. He does. Yeah. It's all tied together. I remember he referenced that in the movie uh, Zombieland when um, Woody Harrelson's character actually, well, purposely shoots him because he thinks he's a zombie, but oh, he was just playing yeah. to get them out of his house. And he's talking to him. He's like, do you have any regrets? And he goes, Garfield. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's all tied together in a weird way. So, Chris, uh, I'm sure you have memories of this show. So what are they? I, I don't remember much of it other than I liked it and that I had a ton of Ghostbusters toys. I didn't have as many of the ghosts and stuff as I wanted. My cousin had a ton of the ghosts. Like, I remember there being like a toilet one. That was really cool. There's a whole bunch. But I had the basic Ghostbusters team of Peter, Ray, Winston, Egon, and Slimer. And I had a couple ghosts, and that was pretty much it. But, man, I played with those things all the time. I loved them. And I remember distinctly, like, the Egon figure, you could, like, wind it up, and his upper torso would, like, spin around. Oh, man, it was just really freaking cool. That was one of the Egon figures. I had an Egon figure that you squeeze his legs together and his mouth would open real wide. And I think his eyes would pop out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember. That. You know what? I wonder if uh, maybe I'm mixing that up. Maybe it wasn't Egon that spun around. One of them spun around. Yeah. And But I do remember one where he squeezed the legs and his eyes went all uh -huh. big and stuff. I mean, I, ha I still have some Ghostbuster toys even. I have the werewolf nice. that was in the suit. And when you squeeze his legs together, he leans back and like howls. Basically, his arms go back and he opens his mouth real wide. And then I have the one that was a little yellow Volkswagen, but he was also a praying mantis. Oh, yeah. I yeah, remember I, that. I still that have cool. that toy. Yeah. That's awesome. They had some of the best toys. Oh, yeah. Um, as a kid, they were so much fun. They were really creative. If you don't remember much about the cartoon as a kid, you will remember the toys because Absolutely. growing up in the 80s like we did, that was the big thing then. Yeah. So, yeah, we had tons of Ghostbuster toys. I think I even had a proton pack at one point. And I know I saw the show, but I didn't remember a lot of it. Rewatching yeah. it, like there was so much that's like, oh, this is much different than I thought it was going to be. Yep. I, I 
I'm in the same boat. Like I remember the toys more than anything else. And I, I mean, I remember watching the cartoon and enjoying it, but just didn't remember it in general, like anything about it. So yeah, not a lot of it stuck, but let's go ahead and jump into the three episodes that we did watch for today's show. Very first episode, highest rated episode, and finally random or listener chosen episode. Order may vary depending on how these episodes fall chronologically, but of course we have to start with the very first episode. But we should first start with saying that really this whole thing, this whole Ghostbusters four part series was launched in a sense by Anderson Council. Yes. A listener, a friend, a awesome guy. He has suggested many things to us, this being another one of them. When he suggested the real Ghostbusters, then we just got crazy about it and decided to do a four-parter of Ghostbusters. But it was all rooted with him suggesting this show. So I just want to give credit where it's due before we start talking about these episodes. Starting with Ghost R Us, Season 1, Episode 1 where Slimer accidentally releases three ghosts from the containment unit, and they set out to put Ghostbusters out of business by opening their own business, Ghost R Us. That sums it up for the most part. Yeah, I don't it's... think we need to really go much into the details of the episode past what we liked about it or what we noticed. Like you said, that's pretty much what happens. And then the other big part of the episode, though, is that those three ghosts try to trap the Ghostbusters basically by they go to an old toy factory that looks mm. like something out of Fallout 4. Yeah. Because it's just destroyed. There's holes <laughs> in the wall, all kinds of stuff. The one ghost thinks that there is a class 7 ghost there. It's weird that they know their own classes and stuff. That's strange. Well, of course. I mean, just like when you're playing an MMO, you know your own level. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, so these these three were supposed to be class 5. They're like a class 7 lives here. Let's lure the Ghostbusters here and let the class 7 take care of them. Little did they know that class 7 was no longer there and it's a class 10, which is apparently the worst you can get. So the Ghostbusters end up there and end up fighting against a class 10 that basically inhabits some toys and grows to a giant size and attacks the city of New York. Yeah, he becomes a giant alphabet block mixed with one of those symbol monkeys. And a teddy bear. Mixed with a teddy bear. And he had like robot legs. With robot legs. It was horrifying. I don't think I could survive even seeing that thing brought to life. And this was a kaiju thing, too. This was gigantic. So this thing was terrorizing the city and the Ghostbusters have to stop it after Slimer makes a terrible mistake. Something we should bring up is that Slimer is at fault for the happenings of this episode. And Peter continues to let him know that this is the last straw. Slimer eats all their food. He messes up all the time. So if he makes one more mistake, that's it. He's going into the containment unit. And this is that mistake. So so he kills Slimer. Yeah, (laughs) and that's the end of Slimer as we knew him. And I didn't remember that as a kid. Like that's crazy. Why would they do that? I remember him dying. He exploded everywhere. Green goo all over the place. Talking about some of the characters real quick. (laughs) There's some really funny stuff. Like Egon is voiced so deadpan, but he says some really funny things towards the beginning. Like the three ghosts are in like a chocolate factory or something, and the Ghostbusters go to take care of them. They're throwing chocolates at them and stuff, and they're all getting hit with stuff. Now they're like, "Ow, ow, ow!" And Egon's like, ouch, ouch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, one funny thing that Peter said when they were in a chocolate factory and I think Ray gets his face covered in chocolate. He's just like, reminds me of a college party I went to once. Right. It's like, what kind of parties are you having? 
yeah getting covered with chocolate or was it chocolate exactly was it i was that's what i was thinking is like are you talking about chocolate i don't even know anymore mm, i don't know <laughs> this is things that these old cartoons are full of moderate adult humor to some degree that you don't yeah, catch it all as a, as a kid like i wouldn't have even understood that but now it's like dang and it gives you a reason to stay into the show give you a reason to keep watching like i wonder what else is gonna come it's a good balance for adults to watch this with their kids because right. they throw in ringers like that. And I, I love how like sarcastic Peter is. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they did a great job of capturing that kind of demeanor that Bill Murray had in the movies and kind of translating it here. But for a children audience in a Garfield voice, he's not as much of a jerk. But he's still kind of a jerk and he's still really sarcastic. Very and sarcastic just, and self-serving. Yeah. So they did a good job there. I'm not really sold on how they treated Winston's character because they kind of dumbed him down a little bit to make him a little goofier. So, yeah, he I don't doesn't know. really have much of a personality in this. Right. He just makes some jokes once in a while. Yeah. There's no distinctive characteristics that's like, oh, this is Winston's character. I see what you mean. Right. And Ray pretty much reminds me of the same ray from the movie they they nailed him like spot on yeah for he's sure. um kind of silly but he's really smart he's really kind yeah they nailed his character for sure yeah very very gullible but he is very curious about things that's what gets him into trouble a lot that was weird that they changed the looks of him so much. You know, Peter obviously looks really different, but he's still got his brown hair. They made Egon. They gave him like this blonde, almost trying to be a mullet thing. Yeah. Because he's got that one like hair towards the back of his neck that goes real far down. They made Ray a ginger. <laughs> yeah, here, here's what I think about that is that if you were to go by the movies, all of the characters have the same color hair. And I'm going to take it back to Ninja Turtles where they all used to have red masks, but they right. changed them just so you could more easily differentiate the Tell characters. So if all of these characters, they were still all brunette, I think that it could get confusing. So it makes sense to me if I look at it like that, that they change the hair colors in order to separate the characters, especially for the toy line, which is almost always the case with old cartoons is the reason they did things in cartoons was to sell more toys. Exactly. It, it just makes sense that they would do that. But apparently they originally did design Peter's character to look more like Bill Murray, but then they backed off a little bit. Probably did didn't look that good. Yeah, be well, because of lawsuits, apparently, because they didn't really? have the rights to character likeness. And same with Harold Ramis as Egon. All they really did for him, like they kept his essence, but they changed the hair color. So, right. it, I mean, there are various reasons why they made all those changes. But as a kid, I think I watched this cartoon before I actually saw the movie. So these were the Ghostbusters to me. Yeah, and, I mean, these are the Ghostbusters that I hear in my head when the voices talk to me at night. Right. No, um, <laughs> there's a great run of comics that IDW did oh, with the yeah. Ghostbusters. And these are the voices I hear. The voices from the cartoon are what I hear when I read that comic book. I, I got to say that, you know, what? I went back and watched this and I really enjoyed this cartoon. But I think that comic book is honestly my favorite incarnation of the Ghostbusters so far. And especially for Winston's character, because as opposed to this show where they kind of dumb him down and he kind of sinks into the background a little bit in the comics, Winston steps up and he's kind of the, the forefront. He's actually kind of the leader in the comics. They they give him more of a backstory. He's like this ex-Marine. He has all these leaders 
leadership skills and stuff like that. So Peter is still kind of calling the shots and stuff like that, but it's really Winston that is the heart of the team in the comic books. And I love how they did that. It was really good. If you haven't checked those out, if you like comics, please check them out. If you like Ghostbusters, check them out. Fantastic. And Joseph knows the creators, so he can speak that these guys are just as big of fans as all of us. So yeah, those guys are awesome. When we were still doing our comic book show issues with friends, we got to interview them. They were super nice. Huge Ghostbusters fans, Eric Burnham and Dan Schoening. If you haven't read this comic book and you like the Ghostbusters at all, then you're doing yourself a disservice by not reading this comic book. Even if you don't think you like comic books, check this one out. I think you'll change your mind. So one thing that the comics don't really have, at least not in the same sense, I mean, he's there, but he's just in the background in a cage that this cartoon has is Slimer. Oh, so much Slimer. I forgot how much I loved Slimer you know in this cartoon. Exactly. That's what I was going to say is I didn't realize how great of a character Slimer was until we saw two episodes that really revolve around Slimer. And I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, like this makes so much sense why we're going to be doing a primarily Slimer heavy thing the next episode we do. Yeah, Slimer was just awesome in this cartoon and great acting by Frank Welker. Yeah. Doing his voice and just the little creature-ish kind of noises that he makes. It was spot on. It is awesome. And it's the, I think it's the next episode where I just, I love the way that Slimer was played out. And in yeah. this episode, like I said at the beginning, he has to really make up for a lot of mistakes he's made and really these ghosts being loose is his fault so he's got to fix the situation so he does he helps the situation entirely yep. like if it weren't for slimer they wouldn't have been able to they didn't trap this one they kind of just disintegrated it i guess and oh my god so that thing falls into uh is it the hudson yeah it loses its like outer shell of all the toys and stuff like that and the thing that comes out oh, good lord was that creepy that thing looked like a slug monster it was like a lovecraft style elder god yeah it was creepy yeah oh, it was gross horrifying Speaking of horrifying, aside from the the Ghostbusters, most of the humans in this cartoon were just as ugly as the ghosts. <laughs> like, the, especially the cab driver and the guy in the cab. Man, were they ugly. The one looked like it was supposed to be Frank Miller, honestly. When the ghosts disguise themselves as Ghost R Us, like, they looked hideous. They didn't look like humans anymore. And nobody suspected anything because the, yeah, the humans realize... are just as ugly. Yeah, Ghost RS get stopped. The class 10 ghost gets stopped or gets blown up, I guess. I'm not sure exactly what happens, except it gets kind of disintegrated. Oh, one more thing is that they played some straight up 80s pop music in this oh yeah cartoon and it was it was actually kind of cool and then it was really funny because they hit so much music they went like 80s pop and then uh, that was followed by some straight like 80s hard rock like we heard from our galaxy rangers episode we talked about yeah and then you would also get like some symphonic like orchestral kind of music too so it was just all over the place but it fit everything really well it definitely captured the spirit of the 80s for sure but it wasn't overpowering to where it was like they were trying to sell some kind of song or something like that. They did it really well. I really appreciate when a cartoon can actually nail a, a certain feeling or certain vibe using some of the music to contribute to that, but not having the music being the noticeable part. 
So moving on to the next episode, Citizen Ghost, Season 1, Episode 11. This is the one that was chosen by Anderson Council, and I'm glad he did. This is such a cool episode. Peter recounts to a reporter how Slimer came to live at the firehouse after helping the guys trap a group of ghostly impersonators. This is so awesome because it ties itself into the movies, even from the start. Well, I guess from the start, we could see the reporter come in and like, I want to talk to Peter Vinkman and it goes through this whole rigmarole. And then we get to see Peter sit down with her and explain. And this is what I was wondering in the first episode even is why do they keep Slimer? Like, I don't understand like why they have this ghost with them who obviously terrorized them in the movies. And it's crazy how much of a shared universe it is with the movies. It ties directly to it, which is unusual for a cartoon to do. And I got to figure that that must have been why um, Anderson Council picked this one is because it ties so well into the actual movies itself. Like this literally takes place directly after the fight with Gozer. And in fact, the main bad guys that they face in here, like they said, it's impersonators. It's basically is that their uniforms are covered with ectoplasm. And stuff and super evil ectoplasm because it was with Gozer. Peter is told by Egon that, hey, we have to destroy these uniforms because they're so saturated with ectoplasm. Bad things are going to happen if we don't get rid of it. And Peter's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll take care of it. And obviously he doesn't. He just kind of shoves them aside, forgets about it. Uh, there's also a crack in their containment unit. So a little bit of ectoplasm is leaking out of that and it's mixing with this stuff. Yeah, And this is all still rooting from the explosion from the first movie. Yep, that's how it got cracked. Exactly. It's still all tied to that. So basically, the eventually the ectoplasm forms enough to create basically these ghostly apparitions of the Ghostbusters in their uniforms. So we have basically evil versions of the Ghostbusters. And man, they look cool. They're green and translucent. They have like this smoke coming from their mouths, from their and eyes, their and their eyes. mouths. Yeah, yeah. they did and, look uh, awesome. Their what would be their their bodies? It's still not as smoky as the stuff coming out of their mouths and their eyes, but still, it's constantly shifting just slightly. Oh man, it just looks so cool, and they looked really creepy. That's the kind of like style that I really love to see in Ghostbusters is where it can be cartoony but kind of creepy at the same time. That's one thing that I do like about the new Ghostbusters movie coming out is because a lot of the ghosts give me that kind of feeling, like especially that really tall one that you see towards Mm. the end of the trailer. Yeah. Man, those guys look awesome. Yeah, this episode it also we should say that slimer is here and you know they know he's still the ghost that slimed peter in the movie and that's actually how they how ray gives him his name because just to make peter mad i think is what he said yeah he literally says to make peter mad yeah so they name him slimer and you know he just wants to we don't really ever get an official reason but what I think he doesn't want to be alone because he's a ghost. He's been a ghost for however long, so he doesn't have a lot of company. So he wants to try to fit in. That's why he's doing all these things, why he's eating all this food. Like he just wants to be more human, I guess, and wants to hang out with the Ghostbusters. So I like that they are trying to explain why they're keeping him here. The series still would have worked.
worked fine had they not done that. But I like that they actually did that because it helps to a tie to the movies and b to give reason for this character to even be there. Yeah, they also made it really believable as far as the personalities of each Ghostbusters. So Egon was totally fine with Slimer being around because Egon is a pure scientist. And he's like, yeah, I could get to know this ghost. I could understand ghosts better through him mm-hmm. by having him around. He wants to examine him, even though he examines something in Slimer's mouth and then passes out because it's just too much. And then he kind of is floating around and encounters Winston and Ray. And Winston's just, you know, he's kind hearted. So he's just like, hey, you know, kind of wave into him, stuff like that. And then Ray's working on a car. Winston left and Ray didn't realize it. So he's asking for like a wrench or something and Slimer hands it to him. And uh, Ray pops out and sees Slimer. And I was kind of expecting Ray to get scared, but he's just like, oh, hey, little fella. And like, you know, talking to him and stuff like, you know, treating Slimer with respect, treating him like he would treat like a child or something like that, or like a like a lost puppy or something. It was nice. And then we had Peter who just absolutely wanted to destroy him (laughs) for revenge out of sliming him um, in the hotel before. Yeah. And that's an ongoing thing. It seems like in this series is just Peter always saying like, Let's just trap him. I want to blast him. He's never a huge fan of Slimer, but we do get to see tender moments. And even up to the last episode that we watched, we get to see that. Yeah, there's a good one. We'll get there. So yeah, the the green versions of the Ghostbusters are trying, they're essentially trying to people bust, mainly after the Ghostbusters. They're kind of the reverse Ghostbusters trying to shoot the Ghostbusters with these proton beams and proton packs that they made themselves out of their forms. And what ends up being the case is every time they try to blast them, they're using up a bit of their own ectoplasmic energy, which I thought was a really cool way to look at it. They're constantly draining themselves just to you know, use these packs and try to shoot the Ghostbusters. One thing, semi off topic, but I did want to mention is that this was written by J. Michael Straczynski, who is one of my favorite comic book writers. He has done some really awesome, awesome stuff. If you look him up on like Wikipedia or something like that, you can see the list of everything. He's worked in a lot of TV. He like he was in He-Man, She-Ra, wrote for that, all kinds of other stuff. And so many comics for DC and for Marvel a lot of independent ones too. One of my favorites that he does is 10 grand. Absolutely love 10 grand. Nice. And and that kind of almost ties in not so much with Ghostbusters, but with the creepiness kind of thing. It deals with demons and stuff like that. It's really cool. So if you like that, check his stuff out. But yeah, he wrote this episode and I think he wrote the episode we watched after this and they were both really well written. So that stands out. So it just kind of shows like his talent. So the rest of the show has got to be great because I love all three of these episodes that we watched. So. In trying to attack the Ghostbusters, they only have one proton pack because the green Ghostbusters have taken the other packs, they've taken the Ecto-1, and it's a standoff. And it it really comes down to somebody has to go and distract them so that we can weaken them by forcing them to start wasting their ectoplasmic energy to try to capture us or to try to blast us or whatever. I don't know what exactly their end game was, the green ones, except to, I guess, kill the Ghostbusters. Yeah, I don't think the green ones were smart enough to have a real plan because, I mean, they were basically using their own essence to try to take the Ghostbusters down. Yeah. What ends up happening, Ray is the one who's like, I guess I'm going to have to do it. And Slimer has a very close relationship with Ray because he was so nice to him. So And so Slimer again comes up and he is essentially the hero of this episode. He flies out to distract these green busters 
and forces them to waste the energy trying to blast him as he flies around, weakening them enough to where the Ghostbusters, the real ones, are able to capitalize on that. Like, Slimer right there just demonstrates that, you know, even though, like, especially, like, Peter didn't treat him the best, I mean, and Peter has his reasons, but, I mean, he's still kind of an outsider to this group, but he was willing to put himself on the line to keep them safe. So that was basically the catalyst that made them say, you know what, Slimer, you're with us. You're one of us now. You are a Ghostbuster along with us, even though you are a ghost. And that's kind of weird. So, <laughs> and even Peter kind of accepts him. Kind of. So, and then he like kisses or makes out with Peter and covers him with slime. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this is another Slimer. I, I, not really a Slimer heavy episode, but a, an episode where Slimer changed the outcome of everything. Right. And it really was one where I was like, yeah, I really like this character. And I didn't remember liking him so much as a kid, but it makes sense now. I did feel kind of bad because like Peter slapped Slimer in the face. At the <laughs> end, but then he gave him some popcorn and, and uh, Slimer was super happy after that. So. Yeah. Also, I, I wrote this in. And I didn't have a good place to bring it up, but just real quick is Janine totally wants to jump Egon. <laughs> like oh yeah she I mean, that carries over into the comics Ooh. even yeah she's all over that dude funny <laughs> so, stuff so the next episode and the last episode we watched which was actually the highest rated one was knock knock season two episode 40 and this is only two seasons into a seven season series so we are just scratching the surface but this yeah. episode amongst everything else was the highest rated and i can see why this was a great episode there's no description written for it but essentially ghostbusters have to save the day from hell crossing over onto earth there's some miners working near a subway system they accidentally uncover this really creepy door that's got like this creepy like japanese demon shogun mask thing on the front and it's talking and it tells them not to open it till doomsday but it like flings open anyway and releases all these evil spirits and stuff like that that start turning everything into ghosts like it possesses a subway train and it possesses the graffiti on the subway train that jumps off yeah. and has its own life and that was really cool but man that door was creepy yeah man, it was creepy the door was creepy and the I, I can't remember i think they called it like the nether region or the nether realm or something yeah but it's obviously hades it's obviously hell yeah and it's it's seeing that put into this children's cartoon and i guess softened just enough to where it's called the nether region but as an adult you know what it is and you can see what's going on there and it, right. it, there's fire, there's brimstone, there's lava. Like it's, and there's even like the river sticks with that yep. skeletal boat on it. And that was, that was a really scary part. Just thinking about it for it, real. It's these rowers who are doomed to row forever and being teased by the, I don't know what you would call them, just the skeletal uh, boat captain. But yeah, so they, they have to travel through this door and they basically walk into hell and there's this big green, like, orb of some kind that's like controlling this energy to stop it they ha they have to because this stuff is it's getting out of hand it's it's like changing all these subway trains and all kinds of stuff and it's all over the city so they start attacking this orb thing and it starts sucking everything back through the door but then the door starts to close and they're gonna get trapped in hell oh man so, one of the really frightening it scenes yeah, it was intense one of the really frightening scenes was when uh, there's a couple things. Okay, first of all, this is kind of towards the beginning. We see live people on the subway. 
then they get trapped on it when it turns into a ghost and we don't see them again. But then the Ghostbusters oh, get on this yeah. train, this subway train, and all of these live people are now skeletons. So these people were obviously killed and zombified yeah. by this train. It's only implied, but it, you know that's, that's what happens. Yes. Yeah. And then the Ghostbusters have to blast, and they do. They blast every single one of them. So yeah. these were once live people going to real jobs and ha- going through a regular day. And they're all killed. That alone is pretty terrifying. And then there's this one scene where these we see these, this train yard and all of these trains turn into these like giant monster caterpillar looking things. The best way I can yeah. describe them. And when they're all four like going through these tunnels, that's just such a scary scene. I mean, Can you imagine seeing something like that in real life? Ooh. Yeah, that was creepy stuff. <laughs> there was um what I don't remember at what point this was. I just remember this quote which I thought was funny where it was um it was either Ray or Winston saw something like some sort of skeleton. It might have been when they saw the boatman and one of them goes, uh, "Did you see what I saw?" And then the other guy goes, "No." And he goes, "Me neither." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was when he saw the boatman. And, that and that's funny. just like so I mean, what do they assume that that's what we assume it is? It's like these writers doomed to row forever. And it's they like they didn't use their proton packs to save them or anything. They're just like, well, I didn't see anything. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a case where because they are who they are, they already know it's too late for those people. Like there's no saving them, you know? That, that's true. Yeah. Maybe they respect the the spirits traditions i guess right like their spirits they've already crossed over there's no pulling them back you know it's too late for them okay so the one thing that that made this episode get real real (laughs) really quick egon gets super intense so egon is usually just you know talking his monotone way and he's spouting some science stuff here and there and you know just talking kind of in his own little world a lot so pretty much here they get to the door and He's pretty much telling them and he gets really intense. Like he's basically like yelling orders and he's saying that, you know, this is the end. This is the end of the world. And basically he's telling them this, this is probably a suicide mission. Yeah. Like there's a chance, a good chance that we're not going to come back from this. Yeah. And <laughs> someone's like, why didn't you tell us earlier? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, cause I knew you wouldn't do it. So, and and it's basically Peter is the first one to step up and he's just kind of like, well, if we're going to go out, let's go out big. So, you know, and and that's a really, it's an interesting moment for a kid's cartoon show. It's just showing the, the, it's demonstrating bravery really well for these kids, you know, knowing that, you know, here's these four characters. They're the only ones equipped to save the world, but if they save the world, they're probably going to die and they choose to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's cool. And it just makes it, it gets really intense, especially they get inside, they're um, fighting the thing and um, all the stuff is happening. The the spirits are being sucked back in and they're kind of floating through the air and being manipulated stuff like that and winston is like they actually legitimately sound like they're in this situation so the voice actors did a great job winston is like screaming and yelling that they gotta get to the door because the door is closing like it's almost too late for them and they are in a real panic yeah so it's just man that moment was super intense and i didn't expect that from this cartoon at all it was intense and it was just and this like i said before is only season two and the stakes are already this high right so i can only imagine what the rest of the episodes are like exactly so obviously things work out they do end up getting to go home 
And <laughs> since we've been, this kind of brings it full circle. Since we've been talking about through each episode, we see iterations of Peter wanting to beat up or capture Slimer in every episode. In this particular one, because I think somebody says something to the effect of how he kind of mistreats Slimer or something like that or picks on him. Once the other Ghostbusters are asleep, Peter sneaks out, hands Slimer like a whole pizza. But it's cool. It shows him he's a big softy. It's true, yeah. It's a tender moment between Peter and Slimer. And Slimer wasn't really much in this episode, but we still get to see this part. So that was cool. Uh, All the episodes really, it really all ends with Slimer. Good old Slimer. Well, Chris, I think it's time we grab our inner kids out of the containment unit and see what they thought of the real Ghostbusters. All right, get out of here, you little ghoul. This show is one of my favorites because the Ghostbusters are really cool and Slimer is funny and there's so many cool ghosts, which means more awesome toys for me. And I definitely want to be a Ghostbuster when I grow up because I ain't afraid of no ghosts, except the really scary ones that hide in my closet or under the bed or, you know, the the noises that I hear downstairs. Uh, I don't mind getting slimed, though. That would probably be pretty funny. And I would eat the Marshmallow Man because marshmallows are delicious and I like s'mores. I give this cartoon five slimy bowls of cereal out of five. And now, Joseph's turn. Revisiting the real Ghostbusters really was quite an interesting trip. While many of the characters' faces and names felt very familiar, the humorous scenes intertwined with a tone that leaned towards semi-serious at times came as a big surprise. Essentially, this just reaffirmed what I already knew, that the real Ghostbusters would be forever trapped in the containment unit of my heart. As such, I very excitedly give this cartoon five big ectoplasmic bowls of cereal out of five, and highly, highly recommend it. In closing, what came as quite a shock was how amazing Slimer was. I mean, he saved the Ghostbusters a few times and brought us the magical elixir that was ecto-cooler. What a hero. I think they're bringing ecto-coolers back, actually. I heard that. We're going to have to get some and drink it on the show. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I'm going to drink it off the show, too. I'm going to only drink that from now on. I'm going to get it just put in intravenously through my <laughs> arteries. Uh, do you have any final thoughts about uh, the real Ghostbusters? I come into these old shows that I loved as a kid and expect them to not be as great. This show proved me wrong in every way possible. All around, it was an awesome property. I love the way that they tie it back to the movies. I don't remember that as a kid at all. And I really want to see some of the episodes that I remember from when I was a kid, like the ones with the Sandman in them and things like that. There's some great ghosts in there. It's all tied together. I think even if you have your doubts, check it out. Like, I think it's on Hulu. I know it's on Crackle. It's all over the place. Just go go watch this cartoon. I, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, but just wait till you're done with this episode and then go watch it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Finish this episode, <laughs> then go watch it. Knowing all that you know, also know that Slimer is a true hero. This cartoon was so well written for what it is. Enough that I honestly would love to continue watching it. And I, I think I will, honestly. I'll find some kind of time to sit down and watch this because it really hooked me. Like, I want to see all of those old toys. I want to see where this goes. I, I want to see the characters progress. It was just done so well. And um, like you said, I, I was I was where you were and thinking that there's no way this cartoon is going to hold up as well as you know expectations but it exceeded my expectations oh yeah that does not happen very often and if you listen to our other episodes (laughs) i'm usually just crapping all over these old cartoons but this was one that crapped all over me so (laughs) it it did a great job it it just slimed me so hard (laughs) slimed you all over the face neck and chest (laughs) 
You know what? This is the first episode in a while that neither of us cussed at all. Yeah, I don't think so. I think I was that's just how so much happy. respect we have for this show. Yeah, I didn't drop an F-bomb or anything. It's, yeah, it's that effing good. Well, listeners, it looks like our milk supply or our ecto-cooler supply has now run dry, so it's time for us to say goodbye. And next week, we'll be watching Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters. In part three of our four-part Ghostbusters tribute. Again, thank you to Anderson Council for suggesting this show particular to us, Real Ghostbusters, that caused us to jump back into this series and casually stumble down memory lane. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. We'll see you next Saturday. Presented by NerdSloth. A place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.